I believe everyone has a story to tell. Through seeking true, authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey, I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast, produced by H2 Productions. Welcome to another episode of the County Business Talks podcast. This week's special guest is someone that has been in the motor trade and Sussex business community for nearly three decades. I'm delighted to welcome the CEO of Rivervale Leasing, Vince Pemberton. Vince, how are you doing? I'm very well, Sam. I'm very well. Can I, can I correct you, though? Can you I can. Because it's actually Rivervale Cars Limited. Cars Limited, mate. There we go. Now, there's, there's a lot more to it than just leasing. Of course, of course, of course. Mate, but it's this, great to be here. Great mate, to be here. Um, you know what? absolutely buzzing to have you on I know look we've known each other for quite a few years yeah, and yeah. often out having a bit of a chat and, yeah. and stuff and we've sort of said that we're gonna we're gonna do this so mate it's um great to have you on great to have you on thanks, thanks for, for being. inviting me mate, I was look, flattered that you invited me Sam oh mate this is gonna be gold <laughs> this is gonna be gold let's jump in listen I, I've been obviously getting to know people's stories and stuff but I want to know talk to me a little bit about talk me about life growing up and sort of I guess something about your early years has shaped to who you are today um, well, I grew up in West London. I was born in Hillingdon Hospital. Um, my both my parents are still around today, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, they were quite young, uh, you know. Mum was seventeen, Dad was nineteen, so I guess that had challenges in its own right. Yeah. <coughs> um, I've got a sister that's younger than me, uh, not a lot younger than me, and then a brother that's quite some way younger than me. But in the early days, it was just myself and my sister, so we was always um, sort of squabbling and fighting for the, the attention yeah. or, or whatever. She used to love a dance in front of Top of the Pops on a Thursday <laughs> night at 7.30. Um, Dad was always a wheeler dealer. Uh, you, you know, Dad was always been dealing in cars and vans and trucks even, I think, at one point. Yeah. And I think that's in our, in our blood. That goes back to, I think I may have said to you before, that my great-granddad was selling American cars to gangsters in London in the 20s, wow. importing them in Buicks and Cadillacs, um, near Tottenham Court Road, that sort of area. Mm. So, uh, you know, that sort of shaped me a little bit. I couldn't get away from motor cars or, or anything with wheels on it. <laughs> uh, as a young age, it was Sky Electrics. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Boy, boys of our generation love Sky Electrics. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Dad and I used to sit there. Custom, at the time, custom cars were big. In the yeah, 70s, yeah. it was custom cars. I don't yeah. know if you remember the custom car magazines. Yeah. So Dad and I used to sit there, which is now I think back, it was so wrong that we used to get... a Scale electric car like a, a a Mercedes SL or whatever, and then we would cut bits out of it to put bigger, wider wheels on it on the scale electric track <laughs> and and, and, and play and play around with it. And I guess I was obsessed with cars and football, really. Yeah. Um, but but having a, a really strong um, w- w- knitted family. You know, my family originally come from the East End of London. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, no one messed with my nan, four foot eleven. No one messed with her. <laughs> and um, you know, I was brought up in this culture to work hard, um, but never take anything for granted. Yeah. And I still live by that today. Yeah, mate, that's um, that's great. But I think a hundred percent similar. Obviously, I grew up in Dagenham, so that yeah. t- similar type of thing, that type of culture. And one thing I definitely was given to me by my mum and dad was that strong work ethic and, and you know what you go out work hard and be a good person and and the rest uh, uh, take care of yourself yeah you know I, uh, I got my first job when I was 13 and a bit 13 and a half 
I can re- I can remember <laughs> the day because my my first day was when my younger my brother my youngest brother was born on the first day that I worked. So um, um, dad took mum off to hospital. I got up and went to work on my first first day, and that wow. was working in a butcher's shop. Oh really? Um, yeah, and um, uh, and and they that taught me at a very young age that if you go to work it isn't just to have a bit of fun you've got to yeah. go and work yeah, yeah, yeah. but you can have fun along the way yeah, and you yeah. can't you can't really lose sight of that yeah but great times so so, so for, for you there was never was that all you was always going to go into the motor trade was that always the, the route for you do you think like um no no not really i loved cars with, with a passion yeah. you, you know I'm I'm still big into my um, my fast Fords now and my Ford Caprice. Who doesn't love a Ford, Ford Caprice? Capri. And when I see I see a post that you put on <laughs> things in a while, about that, yeah, very, really po- really popular post. Yeah, yeah. You know about a Ford Capri. Who, yeah. who, who doesn't doesn't love them? But I loved them from the outside looking in, not really thinking that I'd be necessarily working with them. Right. Even though dad had, dad had, and obviously that had been, been through the generations. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I always felt that I was going to be a uh, a footballer I'm passionate about my football yeah, yeah, yeah. even going to school school was to go there to meet up with my mates not really to learn yeah, yeah, and sure. to get there you know we used to get there at quarter to eight and play football before the school day started mm. everything was a passion to, to play football it led to ev- everywhere yeah. um, so I, I guess I always thought like a lot of kids do, that I'm going to end up being a professional footballer. Mm. It's at the point that you realise you don't have the skill set <laughs> to become a professional footballer. Um, but, you know, I, I, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, I wouldn't say I was necessarily the class clown. I liked to make people laugh. I liked to make people smile. And, mm. uh, and that probably got me into a bit of trouble along the way. Uh, could I have done better at school? Yeah. You know, could, yeah. could I have worked harder? Yeah. Would it have made a massive difference to my life who knows yeah. who knows but I look back on it now with quite fond memories that you know I recall sitting in the class um, and I went to an all boys school next to an all girls school um, oh. so I'm sitting in I'm in, my, in the class and the, it's the day when they're talking about your careers and the careers officer uh, stood up and pointed me out and said you'll never get a job no one will ever employ you you, you, you won't make anything of yourself. And I suppose in that way, he sort of set me a bit of a challenge, really. Although mm. I didn't go out of my way and go, oh, I'm going to prove you wrong. It was always hanging there in the background mm. that someone thought that little of me. I, I'm, I'm a people's person. I get on with people. You know, where does that, does that mean I'm doomed? Does that mean I'm never going to get a job? You, you, you know, so... Um, See, when, that really, for me, like, I listen to stories, and people have heard me talk on here a lot about about the education system and whatnot. And very similar to you, like I listen to you talk about that, and that could me going to school pretty much because football was my life. Yeah. Same as you, wanted to become a professional footballer, I mean, that's all it's about. But I was all I, I, pro- I wasn't the most academic, no. and I, there was no, you know, like you said, I wasn't. I definitely wasn't. I don't think the class clown, but I just I, I always got on with people. But that's exactly. never, we don't get a GCSE in building relationships. But actually, no. that life skill can relate to any business, to any job, anything in life. If you can have a chat and get on with people, what a what a great skill set to be able to have. Mate, you're, you're exactly right. You know, it should actually, and you're and you're brilliant. And other people that we're close friends with, like you know, dodging people, yeah. who's a master at it. Yeah, you know, um, 
there should be a qualification in networking. <laughs> yeah. You know, when when you can go out and meet people and and just chat and work out, you, you know, well, various relationships. different angles and relationships. You, you know, but it was never it was never considered like that, was it? You know, you left there. I can't think of too many of my mates that went to university, if any. Mm. It was a different game to get to university then, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, the priority was that you left school and you went out and got a job. Mm. You know, so I, I, when, I le- when I left school, I was sort of bumbling about a little bit. I went to work for Ryman's Stationers for a bit mm. in a warehouse. Loved that. There was a group of guys in there that you got on well with. So you went to work, and it was a bit like going to school that you <laughs> went there, had to work a bit and met some mates and, yeah. and enjoyed it. And then, then things started to click a little, but, but, but not a lot. And um, then um, my parents had moved down to Littlehampton, and uh, I was coming backwards and forwards, and Dad had got taken a used car site. And I recall it was November 1987. He went, look, you're coming down. Why don't you come down? Come and work, come and work with me. Come and start off by doing some valeting and bits and pieces. So that's what I did. I packed everything up in London. I'd, most of the family had moved away. My grandparents had moved down. My, my parents had moved down. Obviously, with my younger brother, he wasn't old enough to make any decisions <laughs> for himself at that point. Um, my sister um, was going off to get married to a, a chap in, in the RAF, so she was moving away. So I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So I, November 1987, I moved down to Littlehampton, stayed with mum and dad and started to get into into the motor trade, um, more so. You yeah. know, always having a bit of a passion, it's quite easily to switch. Yeah. Um, started off by cleaning them and then progressing to selling them. And um, But it got it got to a point, I can, I can remember that it was uh, sat there in dad's office... Dad was paying me. Um, there was cars outside covered in snow. Nobody came on the site. Nobody's going to come and look at a car. Mm. And this went on for quite a while. Uh, I can't. I think that would have probably been back end of '89 or something like that. Mm. Something in that region. So you've got to get out there, scrape the snow off, and open open the door and open where it's frozen <laughs> to show somebody a car. No, nobody really does it. And I, I felt really that. I needed to make a change. I didn't like the fact that I was sat there. There was nothing really to do. Yeah. And I was taking... Dad was paying me. And he never queried about paying me. I don't want to give him that impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was never, it was never like that. And then I saw an advert in, the, um, in what would have been one of the local papers at the time. And it was saying about selling office equipment. Now, because I'd done that little stint early on working for Ryman's a station as I thought oh it's one of their sales rep type roles so I applied for the job went for an interview in Crawley got given the job and then realized it was actually selling uh, photocopiers and and not only was it selling photocopiers it was selling photocopiers for one of the most notorious people in the industry which at the time were signing people up I'll never forget the agreements were 108 months I'm still connected with a couple of people on LinkedIn that actually work there. But the agreements were 108 months. The machines weren't going to last 108 months, Sam, but people still were signed up to these agreements. I was really naive with it. You signed up. The best bit about it was a guy called Paul Fitzgerald, and I've tried to track him down. So if anybody knows where he is, please let us know. This guy called Paul Fitzgerald. The best bit about it was that they put you on um, uh, a two-month training programme so you had to be in Crawley every morning in a classroom session from 7 o'clock till lunchtime. They did 
all sorts of types of role play, learning to how to prepare quotes, you, you know, telephone conversations, booking appointments, you name yeah. it, they taught you it all. Um, up until lunchtime. And then in the afternoon, you'd go out in your Vauxhall Astra estate that they gave you as your company car, and you would travel around, and you had to go uh, where any business was. So it could be a brass plate on a high street, or it could be on an industrial estate or an office block. Mm -hmm. And you had to go in there, go to the reception. Your aim was to get a compliment slip. That was first point. Then you needed to get the decision maker's details and, and contact information. And as much information as you could get out of the receptionist or whoever spoke to you, mm. you your target was to accumulate 2,000 compliment slips over the eight weeks in a box file. Now, I still have that box file in my loft full of these compliment slips. No way. And they, um, they used to stamp them in to count that you'd got them. And then as the training developed, you started taking lumps of these compliment slips out, and that would be, right, now ring that person. You've been there. Mm. Now ring them, book an appointment. Now, for those people that have never just picked a cold call uh, or picked a phone up to make a cold call, they don't know how intimidating and how stressful it can actually be on people. Yeah. You are shaking from the inside when you actually dial the number. You're now going to interrupt somebody's day. Because it's mad, isn't it? Like, just, just to interrupt, like, there's, as much as we are very much, uh, uh, like you said, we're, you're a people person, build relationships, have a chat with people, no problem. People always say to me, oh, you gifted a gab and that type of stuff. But for me, cold calling, absolutely, like, it's hard work. Oh, hard work. Different, different, like, a different type of mindset. In a show. It's, a, it's a tough, tough, tough gig. So, um, to, make it, to make it even worse, I can remember on this particular occasion, there were six of us left out of the original recruitment mm. uh, intake. And I, I kid you, you kid you not, they had a desk a bit similar to this at Wrap Round. Around the other side, it's a bit like the bridge of the enterprise, really, how this was laid <laughs> yeah. out. And you'd have the sales director, the managing director and everything. And then you was around this side with these other people that were with you that are in the training. And you're now going to demonstrate to the, the directors in the business how far you've come. So they put a whiteboard behind you with your initials and with everyone else's initials there. And they put a telephone handset and it had a retractable cord and they sellotaped the handset to your hand, and then you had to start phoning out of these compliment slips. And the aim was that you had to get an appointment. The pressure is on you, mm. so you can imagine the conversation you're having, and all this training that they've taught you about handling objections, you know, beneficial opening statement, <laughs> and all these yeah. other things that cold calling comes with it. And then if you've got an appointment, you've got to, you weren't allowed to sit down, yeah because there's the thing about being on the telephone and your diaphragm being open and, and how that comes across better. You weren't allowed to um, uh, sit down, but when you got your appointment, you, was, you had to jerk <laughs> with a cord <laughs> over mark against your name and, and, then, and then back. That wow. is pressure. I'm telling you, that is pressure. And I, I got to the point, I'd, I'd said to um, my, uh, uh, my other half who then became my wife, you know, I'm not sure I can continue to do this. I was... I was doing okay, I was selling photocopiers, uh, I was doing what they'd asked me to do, but did I like the job? No way, that is, that is a, a, a tough gig. So I kept looking in the newspaper, and then I saw an advert in the evening Argus, Evans Halshaw had the Vauxhall dealer on um, Old Shoreham Road at the time, where the uh -huh. garden centre is now. Uh -huh. uh, and they wanted a fleet sales executive 
And I thought, that, that's me. I know cars. I've worked in the motor industry working with Dad. But I've got something a little bit different now when I've had this training. Mm. And how could I take that into that industry? So I went for the interview. It uh, got narrowed down to me and one other guy. And the other guy got the job. And I was gutted. And the guy that I would be reporting to, who was one of my most inspirational people in my, in my working career let alone let alone my life really and the way that he looked at things um, he said Vince I'm really sorry it's gone to the general manager and the general manager has picked this other fella over you he said but please keep in touch because I don't have the confidence that this fella's going to get anywhere and then it, it went five months down the road and um, this fella John called me and he said Vince are you still interested and I went yeah am I M more than ever he said, I think that guy's hit, hit the end of the road. He, he'd done 10,000 miles in a, and I can't even remember the car sound, how sad, an Astra <laughs> 1.7 LS turbo diesel. <laughs> he'd done 10,000 miles in it, and he had the later model with the driver's airbag. It was like, whoa, what a car. Yeah. Um, forget the rest of the passengers, as long as the driver was all right. <laughs> um, uh, he'd run up a big mobile phone bill and hadn't sold one car. Wow. So they said, if you were interested, come come back in so um, they parted company with this fella and I went down there and they gave they gave me the job and then all the bits that I didn't like about the office equipment world and I've got to take my hat off to those guys I'm not dissing the job yeah you've no, just got no. to be you've just got to be a bit of a, a unique it's breed. a it's a completely yeah it's a, you're right it's a different breed like cold calling is one skill set oh. and you've got to be a certain type of person to be able to yeah to definitely do any and enjoy it I guess like but I took I took that I took my box of compliment slips and I sat there with a telephone and I agreed with this guy that was this guy John John Jeffries what a character um, that I would ring ten of these people every day out of this box yeah. and hand lover inquiries and whatever whatever so agree that we start I go in the first day John had already booked a holiday to the Caribbean bless him <laughs> so I go in there first day sell a car first day Brilliant. and um, it just I just never looked back they gave me a target I didn't quite hit the target in year one but he said you've done fantastic we're gonna you're off again year two then started to smash the targets do you think, like, we, f just from a sales perspective, it'd be interesting to get your. T when you're, if you're selling something that you're really passionate about, like with like with motor car company, similar techniques to selling both things, but ultimately you're passionate about this one. Does that is that an easier sell? For easier to get that sale across the line, easier to make that cold call, easier to speak to people about it because you you believe in that more than that. Uh, do you know, that's, that's a funny one, because I, I know that some of the uh, other directors in my business will rib me for this when they when they play this back. But I don't believe I've ever sold anything to anybody. I've helped people buy what they want. That's how I've always, uh, that's how I've looked at it. Um, when people are buying, there's a big difference. If you're buying a car to an office, a, a, a printer, photocopier, yeah. whatever, you, you're not really that excited about it. Yeah. But when you're buying a car, it's such an emotive decision yeah, yeah, and process yeah. 
you know, people have done the research. They've had, in those days, it would have been the brochures. They've had the brochures out, haven't they? They've read all the specifications. <laughs> they, they knew more about the car than arguably you did. Yeah. So all you did really was help them to buy what they wanted. You, you know, there's a, I've got yeah. a, great, a great contact. I guess he won't mind me uh, put, putting his na- name on here. Local lad, Paul Goldsmith. I don't know whether you know Paul. Um, he was at uh, IT first. In okay, the very yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 yeah. In the days of uh, the Brighton and Hove Albion, in their dark days, he was put, putting m- money on the front of the shirt in sponsorship, etc. He was yeah. passionate about it. But he, that guy was so passionate, mm. and he's still passionate about cars. Mm. He knows what he wants. All you've got to do is help him get it. Yeah. So you don't sell it to him. And he knows he doesn't want to be sold to. Yeah. He just wants you with your expertise to help him get what he wants to get. Yeah. So there, there, I guess there's some similarities in the fact that you've got to be a people's person to start with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People deal with who, who they like and get on with, don't yeah, they? Yeah. No yeah. like and trust, isn't it? And you build that relationship with, on on that basis. But I was just keen, I guess, from your point of view, like you know, you've gone into something now that actually I'm selling this thing, oh, no, no, or helping someone to buy something that you love as well and you're passionate about because you you can tell like every time. And I said, even in posts on on LinkedIn, you can that passion for cars, and you love. You, you yeah, love the, it. the, it's a it's a strange. I, I I love helping people get what they want. Yeah, I yeah. get as much of a kick out of that, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Um, that someone goes away happy and they think that you've done a great job or the business has done a great job. Yeah. You know, I'm so proud of what our guys achieve on their Trustpilot reviews. Yeah. You, you know, when you consider what's gone on in the industry with. You know, we used to deal and deliver a Ford Fiesta within 14 days. Mm. And now, because of semiconductor chips or whatever other bits and pieces that have affected production, mm. we've had people waiting 14 months for a Ford Fiesta rather than 14 days. Wow. In that travel, you in that time, you've had people complain because they haven't got what they want. We're definitely, we live in a world, I think we're changing our view a little bit, yeah. but we live in a world that we thought, well, I see it, I can have it. Um, you look at Amazon. You, you yeah, it's exactly bang. that. Next yeah, it's day, all, it's is all about that, isn't it? Um, you, you know, so that whole customer service experience about making sure that you get people what they want, and mm. you you help them along the way. You put them, your arm around them. John Jeffries always used to say that that you, you you know put your arm around them, help them help them along the way, and that's really what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I. When I started to, when that started to change, I suppose a little bit again for me, where you get a little bit re-energised with it, was that when I was sat in um, Evans House or Vauxhall and um, the business had made some really strange commercial decisions, had been bought out by a bigger group. John Jeffries, who was my foil, really, mm. you know, he he helped me so much that he kept everything out of my way for me to just get on and do what I did. Yeah. He, um, amazing man management, really. Um, uh, some of the phrases and that, that he used to come out with it was, it was just brilliant working with you Vince I don't know whether I'm on foot or horseback <laughs> and I still use these today Sam I use them every day he, he was he, I don't know whether I'm Arthur or Martha he, he was just brilliant with it and I loved that sort yeah, of yeah, how, that yeah. guy knew how to manage me and get yeah, the best yeah, out yeah. of me my strengths and I, that he 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 was um, made redundant and I, I, I sort of struggled a bit then and then out of the blue, I get a phone call from Rivervale, which in those days, the, the Rivervale was the Mercedes-Benz dealer, and you had across the road was Chandler's being the BMW dealer. Yeah. Well, they were around the corner at yeah. the time. But they were your two elite motor trade businesses in, in and around 
I'd even go as far as say Sussex really you know mm. Rivervale had Rivervale Porsche Rivervale Mercedes both in Brighton in Reading you know they were not just a local brand they were n- known a bit further afield mm, yeah. so when I get a phone call to say um, we're looking for a corporate um, sales manager you know would you be interested I first off I thought it was a wind up I thought why am I going to get a phone call from Rivervale this is a wind up mm-hmm. I've got some friends that have done occasional wind ups like that Sam and I thought this was just another one <laughs> and you were on your toes and um, <coughs> so uh, I went round met with them uh, they, they staggered me by the target they gave me initially and it wasn't because it was too high you know I was at that point I was shifting around 1200 voxels a year which was quite a number wow and then I, I sat with the guy who, who uh, managing director, who's no, no, sadly no longer around. Um, but he's, I said to him, okay, that's, that's great, all the package fits, but uh, what's my target? And the first thing he said to me was, you've got to do better than the last bloke. <laughs> that was what he said. <laughs> <laughs> well, how well did the last bloke do? That's what <laughs> you're there though, isn't it? And he, he, uh, I said, well, how, how many have I got to do? And he went, 40. And I went, 40 a month thinking can I get Mercedes into wherever I need to business wise yeah. 40 a month and he went no 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 a year so I'd, it was quite a reality check for me that that was wow. that was all that all that they really wanted yeah and it was a f- so I agreed to take the job they'd increased my basic salary they'd given me a brand new Mercedes C200 elegance as it was at the time nice uh Laptop, mobile phone, these are all the perks. You didn't really get those. You know, look at this, I've arrived. And they gave me a company credit card, a Rivervale company credit card on day one, and they said, go and make friends for Rivervale. So if I've now not fallen into the job that probably suits me, I don't know know what would. Um, So I I, I get my car on a Friday night. I'm not due to finish until... I start until the Monday morning, but they've given it to me early, so I've got it over the weekend. And I drove home. I put it on the drive. We was living in a semi-detached house in Durrington at the time, and I drive onto the drive, and there's one of the neighbours a little bit further up with his young lad, and they've been out playing football in the street. And I love football in the street, and probably like you love a bit of football in the street. I'll play football in the street tomorrow, I love it. And um, I've got out the car, (coughs) and the young lad's walking past his dad, and I heard the young lad say, look at that dad, he must have won the lottery. As I've put this brand new Mercedes on the driveway, and I've gone in, and it really like wow. re, that that lad doesn't doesn't know what he did. It yeah. sort of re-energised me, as if to say, "Wow, is that what people think? Is that what people think of the brand?" In yeah. some sense, I've become a car was a car, and it was a box that you were shifting, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, this was a little bit different. People were buying into Mercedes products. It's like a status symbol, almost. Very yeah. much. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. at that time, that was. 96, 97, at that time they were, Mercedes were starting to make their way onto managers lists. Mm. So if he was a, um, a mid-manager that might have been lucky enough to have, you know, a Mondeo or a Gear or a, a, a Cavalier SRI, mm. all of a sudden on your list you could have a, a, a C-Class Mercedes and if you could mm. do it, company car tax rules weren't so offensive then. Mm. Um, you, you know, p- people, people would do it. So it was, it was like I was in the right place at the right time. Um, and with previous connections, uh, I hit the ground running. One order did my year's target, so I I I, I hit wow. I hit the the ground running, and I I loved working for um, for Rivervale. It yeah. was it was a great job, great job. 
That's a, interesting. I want to touch on there about, like, you, you mentioned about the connections and, like, you've shared a couple of stories with me offline. I, look, I was at an event where you was having a chat with Tony Cascarino and we had done the best of British thing and, like, over the years, some of those <coughs> connections that you've you've built, Bradley Walsh, I guess people like that, and have this old acts or come about just by you being out and about and meeting in people to... Um, so, Mercedes, sorry, Rivervale lost the Mercedes dealer in December 2000. Right. It was a massive shock to the system. It was not their own doing. They didn't deserve to lose the franchise for mm. the area. Mercedes had a, a, a reshuffle where Mercedes themselves wanted all the dealerships inside the M25. So the way they were going to get all those dealerships inside the M25 was to give a huge sweetener to the businesses that were in the M25 and give them an area outside of the M25. So Sussex, Sussex got given to HR Owen and um, Tommy Sopwith, who's another, we will probably touch on him a bit later, what what a character, most charismatic man I've ever ever met, quickly followed by you could tell, but he was the most (laughs) charismatic man, Sam, unreal. So uh, December, uh, 2000 this announcement got made and a shudder went through the business and I thought I don't want to work for a PLC again I'd Mm. been I'd had that experience when my latter days of working at Vauxhall and I I just didn't know where I was going to go again I was at another uh, another juncture which what was going to what was going to open up next and um, a guy came in from Lombard uh, Lombard North Central or Lombard Vehicle Management or whatever it was called Let's just sit and have a chat with him. And he said, what are you going to do now then, Vince? I said, I don't know. I love this job. This is the best job I've ever had. But I I like a business that relates to you as a person rather than a number Mm. on a payroll sheet. And he said, why don't you go work in for yourself? And he said, you can have the Lombard system. I'll sign you up to the Lombard system. Therefore, you don't just have to supply Mercedes anymore. You can supply Mercedes and anything else on our system. And... So it sounded quite appealing. Mm. Um, and uh, so I said to him, well, what have, I, what have I got to have to have that? And he said, you've got to have a consumer credit licence, which when you look at FCA registration and stuff today, Sam, of how rigorous FCA registration is, yeah, in those days, as long as you had a clean credit history, you could get a consumer credit licence for 35 quid. And that was it. Wow. You were done. Wow. Consumer credit licence and a VAT number, of which I had neither. So I that weekend, I'm sitting with um, dad and um, dad asked the same question what are you going to do I've been offered this he said why aren't you going to do it then I said well I don't have a consumer credit license or a VAT number and he said well I've got both of them um, and he said he, dad was doing what we, we call trading so he was trading buying cars from one dealer and selling it to another and all this yeah. sort of stuff and he said why don't we get a little office and um, you can do what you can you do best one side of the office and I'll do what I do best the other side of the office so in, in May 2001, that's what we did. We set up this little business called Eagle Oak Vehicle Contracts. I reluctantly left Rivervale. It was the best job I'd had. Yeah. Um, and then going out on the big wide world. Now that is another challenge when you, you uh, eat what you kill, really, you yeah. know, in that world. You've got to write business. If you don't write business, you've got no money coming in. Yeah, you, you've yeah. Got, you want nothing. Yeah. Um, again, we hit, hit the ground running with it and um, 
on this. Well, I'm, I am getting to this, Sam. Probably no, no, stay no, with no, me. Please. Stay with me. So on one, I'm sat there. We have the little office opposite the Thomas and Beckett in Worthing. Lovely little office. Yeah. And um, I get a phone call from the guy who used to be my previous boss who'd given me the job at Rivervale. <coughs> he was a big Charlton Athletic fan. And he says to me, there's a guy at Charlton wants to speak about cars, but they're not, they're not Mercedes, so we can't really do anything. Do you want to go and have, have a chat with him on the understanding that if he wants Mercedes, you'll get them from us? Of course I will. So yeah. I go and I drive up to the valley... Uh, I meet a guy called Jason Morgan who's gone on to be an MBE who looks after their Charlton Athletic Community Trust yeah. again amazing amazing individual and character yeah. just energy is un- unreal and a guy called Mick Everett who at the time was the operations director and I sit there uh, in the valley in, in like a, a little meeting room with them <coughs> and I explain what I can do for them they're talking about supplying vehicles just to the community trust yeah. half a dozen vehicles I think it was so I explain to them what we what we can do. And Mick Everett doesn't say a word. And for those people who know Mick Everett, they'll understand what I mean. And Mick Everett doesn't, doesn't say a word. And he looks at you and he sort of growls at you a bit, really, in a way. Even though he is the loveliest fella and he's a really good friend of mine and I love him dearly. I didn't know at that point that he didn't bite. And um, he, he sort of growls at you a bit, in a way. And, and you, you do what you do and you shake their hands and you, and you go out the door thinking, well, well, let's see what happens. And then I get on the A2 driving back and the phone rings in your car. And in those days, your phone was in a cradle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't really have call to display. Just the numbers come up. So I answered it. And uh, Vince, Mick Everett. I'm thinking I must have left something at the valley. Um, what you've just offered to Jason, can you do for the rest of the club? And I think, actually, Mick, I can. And I can probably make it, this world is a volume world. So if there's more volume, I can probably make it better for everybody involved. You better turn around it. Back to the valley and we do, wow. we do this thing. And... Uh, Charlton Athletic order 35, 40 vehicles or whatever it was back <laughs> back then and yeah. we, we supply them all, all to them we have an arrangement of getting a box so many times a year and that and then you start um, meeting people within Charlton like you had to sort Alan Kermishley's car out yeah. you had to sort Mervyn Day's car out you um, which you do and that and that connects you with other people and then um, uh Alan Kirbishley's, one of his assistant managers was a guy called Roy, um, oh, Roy Peacock. No, not Roy Peacock. God, that's awful. And I can't remember <laughs> his name. I'll have to, I'll have to find that yeah, in, yeah. In, in, in a minute for you. But um, God, that's really got me. <laughs> but his son was Gavin Peacock, who was right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. So he put me in touch with Gavin Peacock. Gavin Peacock, who at the time was an ex-Chelsea player with Cascarino as an ex-Chelsea player, Gavin yeah. picks Cascarino up, go off to a, uh, an event at um, Chelsea, and um, Cass says, where'd you get this car from? So Gavin wow. tells him where he gets the car from. So you start talking to Cascarino. Alan Kirbishley leaves Charlton. Alan Pardew goes in at Charlton. Vince, will you go and sort Alan Pardew's car out? Go and sort Alan Pardew's car out. That then revolves to Alan Pardew's manager, a guy called Barry Neville. Barry Neville introduces you to Teddy Sheringham. Teddy Sheringham <laughs> says, why should I deal with you? Now, I knew that they, uh, Cass and Ted had played together at Millwall. Yeah. I said, well, you know, I, I, I can't answer that. Maybe you should ask Cass. But you deal with Cass? Yeah, yeah I'll, d- I'll look after Cass. So they speak, and then you start doing that. And it just revolves. And Barry, ne- uh, Barry Neville was quite a... Um, big part of that that 
Barry then rings you and says, Bradley's looking for a car. Um, he wants to do a bit of a deal with you, uh, but Bradley's looking for a car, and, and that's what we did, and we've had a relationship with Bradley Walsh uh, wow. ever since. And it's connections, people within people. Within people. It's, uh, Mate, it, uh, you know what? I, I love listening to stories like that. Like for, so for me, like I've got, we've got our county business clubs thing up there, and it says one of our main things that come out of people by people no matter what you're doing I, I'm such a strong believer in that and if you're a good person and, and, and you do things in the right way and you're able to build those relationships as you do that's that's what it's about isn't it and that's how those like you said yeah. there's always going to be that then referral and that oh, oh that's the bad you deal we'll go and speak to Vince and but then they're no, they're no different Sam they want something and they want someone to help them get yeah, it. Yeah, 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 I suppose the bit is that they're, they're probably the higher profile they are, mm. they're a little bit more wary uh, and, a, and a little bit untrusting to start with until yeah. they get, get to know you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I've, I've, had some, I've had some fantastic experiences with those guys and even to the point of my youngest daughter who works with us at the minute ended up really bizarrely in Teddy Sheringham's lounge singing to his family on a Saturday morning. <laughs> How does that ever happen? <laughs> but, um, you know, he, he, he was absolutely uh, brilliant with her. Um, so, wow. yeah, I've had, wow. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so privileged to have, have those sort of relationships and still keep them. And, you know, and, but and even, like you say, I guess that, even from that first point of call, that first, first telephone call from Charles, but even, even them even one step back having a referral from the Mercedes dealer yeah. to, to trust you to go <coughs> Vince you look after this I know that if it's going to be a Mercedes you'll put yeah. it through us yeah. and have no like trust that, that element like, just by building that relationship that comes around and it's all that's why again the, the belief that everything's that full circle that as long as you treat people well and you're a good oh, person 100% you're always going to be Looked up, or, or well, looked it, it, upon goes, it, it comes back and it pays, it pays um, dividends, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, mate. That's you it, know, mate. so little old Eagle Oak expands with a few more people when we get to 2008, and then a conversation starts up with um, me and uh, Neil Chapman, who's now the current Rivervale chairman, yeah. who was the finance director at the time. Who's, you cannot believe how hard this fellow works in the yeah. business, um, especially on stuff that we've been working on recently he's coming yeah. up to he's coming up to 68 in may he won't mind me saying and he should be slowing down but he's like he's like got another gear it's some un, it's really? unbelievable um we started talking about if we were ever going to sell eagle oak vehicle contracts and i felt at the time it needed to get put in bolted to a bigger ship yeah. it needed to develop and expand really um got into a conversation and it was agreed that Rivervale would buy eagle oak vehicle contracts as long as the key members of staff Went back, on, went back yeah. with it, and to me, Rivervale at that point had moved away from its Mercedes franchise. It had, um, it was trying to re-establish itself in in Mazda and a few bits and pieces. Mm. Um, you know, it was it was a tough time in in those days. You know, Neil Chapman would say that Rivervale had become a little bit of a ragbag of businesses. Right. So it had gone from this elite business yeah. to this bit of a ragbag of businesses. So we we agreed it all in January two thousand and nine. Four of us went back to River. Uh, I went back. The yeah. uh, the other guys hadn't previously worked with Rivervale, but we became part of the, the under the Rivervale umbrella again. Yeah. And that just everything started to roll from there. And that was uh, the financial crisis had hit. I was going to say yeah, two thousand yeah yeah yeah. But we but each year the business just grew and grew and grew, and we added more and more and more. 
and then at the at the end at the end of it, you know, Rivervale looked at it and said, "Why are we working with these franchise operations and bits when we can clearly invest in in Rivervale, which in those points was the leasing division, really, mm. and uh, and um, Jeff Naylard selling used cars pretty much out of a car park, really." <laughs> And we'd gone to Tommy Sotworth with a plan. He said, if you hit that number, we'll put you a new building up. Uh, trying to get planning permission for a new building in, motor trade building in Brighton, as you can imagine, how difficult that yeah, can be. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. Uh, but we got it, we got it approved um, in, just trying to think of my, my times now. We got it approved in 15, January 2016. They started to build on what was the old Hosseden and Besson site that had been burnt down which is where yeah. the building currently is now yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by the end of October November we was in this brand new building so all of a sudden we'd gone from having the leasing team the used car operation had a proper place to work from yeah. and now we've got after sales uh, in the wow. building yeah. uh, the service department only two guys at that time was downstairs working on the on the ramps 2000 and that that grew and yeah. progressed and then a crazy idea came to mind one day to say we need to add minibuses so we added the minibus division in 2018 that with with one person that's now up to five people wow. uh, and we're one of the market leaders in supplying minibuses into schools and private sector state schools charities sports yeah. organizations around the country um, 2019 we wanted to add fleet and fleet management uh, which had, which a lot of people talk about fleet management. They don't necessarily understand how involved fleet management and what you get in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it, with all the, um, the the laws around, um, uh, you know, corporate manslaughter and all those type of things, you've got to make sure that if people are in vehicles, they're safe yeah. in the vehicle. And not only have they got to be safe in the vehicle, the people have got to be in the right state of mind to be driving those vehicles. Uh, so yeah. it's a big area. That has also grown. That's doing really well. And then we added the uh, Maxus electric van franchise. Um, ironically, they, uh, uh, during COVID. So oh, the business blimey. now, when you look at it, like when we when we first started this conversation, yeah. people think it's Riverbelt leasing, but there's actually six legs to the stall now yeah. and works in. But where it's gone from being a ragbag of businesses that perhaps didn't all connect and click, these all connect and click. Yeah. <coughs> and we're really proud of what we put together and the people in it. I just wanted to say something about one of our sponsors, Plus X. I've been a member for over two years now, and the podcast studio here is the home to the County Business Talks podcast. Brighton is the perfect location to create, build, and grow a business with role models and inspiration at every turn. It's no wonder that this has become a hotbed of innovation and entrepreneurialism. So if you're building your future here on the South Coast, there's no better place than Plus X Brighton. Seven stories of cutting-edge space expertly designed to support all kinds of business, from newly started freelancers to large established corporates. With flexible, dynamic environment, ranging from co-working desks to private studios, their specialist facilities include a state-of-the-art prototyping workshop and media suites. They also maintain a community-focused event schedule and offer all kinds of business support programmes. Built for anyone who wants to make a change, PlusX has everything you need. Find out more at www.plusx.space. Okay, back to the episode. That's, a, that's an amazing journey. Look, I'm, I'm keen to know, what, what's, 
look, that conversation with your dad, like 2008, around that, what, what's his take on all of this and where you are now and what <coughs> you've achieved with Rivervale? And well, dad, dad always keeps my feet firmly on the ground. Yeah, I think yeah. I may have said, uh, said to you before, you know, some people look at and, and consider you to be entrepreneurial, whatever the definition of an entrepreneur is. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's what can I come up with next? What can I create? What can I bolt on? What will improve our business model? Innovate. Entrepreneurs innovate, don't we? As, uh, I guess that's one of the things, yeah, yeah. Um, but dad, dad at that point wanted to slow it down a little bit anyway, so mm. it sort of made per- perfect sense. Dad had helped us get along the way, and then Dad went back to doing what he he did before mm. um suffered with a couple of health issues since but that doesn't stop dad 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 still knows how to uh, make a pound into two pound <laughs> and i often joke with him that if you dropped a tenner he'd manage to catch it before it hits the floor dad's very clever at those sort of things <laughs> and he, ke- he does keep my feet firmly on the ground mm. um uh, uh, and has taught me and continues to tell me that you ne- particularly in the motor trade well that's how it affects us that you never take anything for granted. Yeah. You've always got to look down the track at what's coming. That can create challenges, but it also creates opportunities. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he's, um, I think he's really pleased with how it, the business has gone on yeah. and grown. That he helped, us, you know, start. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Couldn't have done it without. Couldn't yeah. have done it without him. Yeah, I love it. And I, I guess then like, talk to me a little bit about that. That you, you just mentioned, obviously the. Max's group within within like lockdown, you sort of grew that part of the, the business to it. So, how did what, how challenging was lockdown for you guys at, at all, or was in it, general? It, or? God, it was a mental time, wasn't it? I know you've had uh, Andy Tug, uh, the Tugwell brothers yeah, on, yeah. Um, uh, and you, you know they really helped me, and I hope some of the uh, input I had gave them help help them. Yeah, and others they, on they that call. mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, when you, uh, Neil Chapman, who I mentioned earlier, he's like a bit mystic Meg, really, because he we were sat there in the beginning of January, we'd just come back off the Christmas break, and coronavirus was starting to yeah. get headlines of what was going on in China, and now it was coming into Europe, and he went, this is going to be a big problem, you know. Yeah. And none of us really took it. You know, we've had bird flu and other things that have come mm. over and they, they seem to have come a little bit and then gone haven't yeah, they yeah. Not, nothing's ever affected it's quite like what Covid did yeah. <coughs> but he he called it he said this is going to be a problem <coughs> and then um, we're working our way through it it's obviously getting closer and closer and closer and then Boris on that night says we're going into lockdown but if you remember rightly <coughs> and I feel for Boris a bit <coughs> I know some people whether you love him or hate him or yeah, yeah. hate the Tories or, or whatever, but you know it was the unknown to every everybody. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, when he's called it, you know, and he said we expect this to be for twelve weeks, and uh, so got off the got off that. Uh, what, so, sorry, finished watching that on TV. Got on a call with Neil. What do we do now? And we our first thing was to make sure we've got enough cash flow around us that you can make sure you can pay your staff and when in those days we had about 55 members of staff so it's a good six figure number every month that you're just gonna pay out in salaries have we got enough money in the bank to make sure that we can pay everybody and everything and still be around in 12 weeks time when all of a sudden we'll pull the curtains and covid will have gone (laughs) and um from that point on it progressed obviously it was a huge challenge you're getting everybody on a team's call. Mm. 
uh, when you've got 55 members of staff on a team's call, that becomes a, 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 that's it's like a challenge. Herding, isn't it? It's like herding cats, that, isn't it? <laughs> um, unbelievable. Um, but to, to be fair to them, they, they all, all took it on board. Then, of course, and I'm listening to some of your other podcasts when people mention furlough, none of us knew what furlough was. Yeah. I think Andy Tuggle said he thought it was a horse racing term, <laughs> didn't he? Um, none of us knew what furlough was. But, you know, that was amazing support for businesses yeah. in that period of time. <clears throat> then we had the other dilemma that, right, who do we furlough? You know, if you've got a strong team and a strong mentality, you're furloughing some people. You, you know, um, you, as an example, so we went from 55 people and we furloughed about 65% of people. Yeah. We had to furlough the guys in the workshops. They couldn't take their work home. They couldn't work from home on yeah, a driveway. Of course not. Of course they not. Had, to, had to be. But... Um, the, we we then had regular meetings every day. Neil was spot on with cash management meetings to make sure every single day um, those those thirty five percent of people that stayed working worked so hard Sam, every day. Yeah, they yeah. put a shift in, in incredible shift, and which they 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 are all with us now, still working with us. Amazing. Um, and they they were just nothing short of amazing. I think what hit it home to me, really, of what we'd built in the way of an, uh, a, a team of people and the type of people and the culture within the business yeah. was they started to open the workshops up again. In Or you could start to open the workshops up again in May. And you've had to say, right, we, we'll gradually open it because we don't know how many people are going to want their car serviced or yeah. a car MOT. There was extension rules around MOTs and all sorts. Um, and... Uh, We've selected the guys that are going to come back into work. And then I've got other technicians that are ringing me. Why can't I work? Why can't I work? You know, they're being paid furlough yeah, money yeah, at home yeah. in the sun, which if you remember rightly. Yeah, it was a beautiful summer. Yeah, yeah. The, the people were, it was a uh, partying in the garden in April or whatever they were, <laughs> yeah. weren't they? But I've got people in May. I've got technicians and people in the business, other people in the business saying, when well, can I get back to work? I want to get really? back to work. They weren't just there for the ride taking the money. They were like, I want to play a part. And that is the culture of the business. The business is the people in the business. Yeah. You know, the business isn't isn't me, isn't Neil, isn't Simon and Duncan, the other shareholders. The business is that people in that business. Yeah. We just guide them and steer them, but they're the they're the they're the business. And, and talk talk to me then about because uh, it fascinates me the whole culture pieces, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I always want to talk about it on every every episode. But how is that like since I guess coming back on board in, in sort of 2008 that period and over the last you know 15 years talk to me about how that culture has developed I guess as you've grown as a, as a company and, and how do because that's like 55 staffs a lot of people to to keep that strong culture and different and I guess the different thing with you is there's so many different departments and so many different things going on so many different moving parts yeah. um, I guess pardon the pump but w- within that environment to keep everyone cohesive and because like you mentioned earlier about it all clicks together now like all the different elements of the business all click together and so how, how have you managed to achieve that then well i've got a brilliant management team you, you, you know and it, if you can if, if if the culture starts with you at the top and mm. you breed that down to the management team and the management team are good it will fountain down to everybody in in the business I think what we've always tried to say is that everybody in that business, me included, that I would 
the skill sets involved in this. Don't get me wrong, because yeah, I'm not yeah. a trained technician. Yeah. But I'd like to think that, that nobody in the business gets asked to do anything that even me or their line manager wouldn't do, yeah. for one. That we always understand that there's a customer at the end of the journey. And we, we have this big thing in our uh, mission statement, which we're going through revamping, and it says that you know, we will treat people like we will want to be treated. And it's not, that's not a difficult rule, actually, when you think about it. It's not yeah. rocket science that that sentence come up. You know, so we have this, if, if I get a member of staff comes to me and they've got a customer's complained about one thing or another, and we don't get a lot of complaints, we're yeah. really lucky like that. But if a customer comes, uh, sorry, a, a member of staff comes to me with a customer's complaint, the first thing I'll ask is to put yourself in the shoes of the customer. Does the customer have justification for the complaint? If you were that customer, would you be unhappy with what's happened? Yeah. And if the, if we have dropped the ball or if we have slipped off or we can understand where the customer's um, predicament is, you know, we would just sort it. Yeah. We would just sort it. And I think that that breeds within the business, that the business knows that there's an air of confidence that, you know, we, we're doing everything for the right reasons and we are moving the business forward you know, in whatever direction that we go, and we can be, even though there's a lot of people, we can still be quite an agile business. Mm. You know, that we're doing everything for the right reasons. Therefore, the culture, we're always on the same page. If that makes sense. Yeah. And and it's so it's so interesting to hear that. And as a strong leader, I guess, like you said, things have to filter from the top. Yeah. And you you you, you set that example, and then yeah. filters down. Your management team set another example, and then so whoever yeah. comes into that that business then they see it at every single level and I guess absolutely looking listening to some of the some of the challenges we obviously mentioned about COVID but I guess now at this particular moment in time with the way the industry is at the moment like you're saying people waiting 14 months that's a that's a completely new challenge to have to do especially from a customer service point of view yeah and I guess the staff because of that culture always trying to put yourself what was that what would the customer think of that that's got to be a real tough period yeah. at the moment I guess yeah it, it, you know um, it, it goes back a little bit from that back in May 2019 Tommy Sotwith sadly passed away mm. at 86 unbelievable character yeah. absolutely unbelievable you know his view and we still have it above the door if you come into the building was do it the right way do it the river right way that was based on yeah, what yeah. he did you never went to him with a plan on the back of a fag packet right. and he would not do it if you went to him with a plan it had to be right if you were going to do it you'd do it properly Hence why we got, you know, I went to him with a plan of putting a building up of, he already owned the land, putting a building up of between 750 and a million pounds. That building costs three million pound plus to put up after Tommy Sortwiford had a look at the plans. (laughs) If you're going to do it, you you, you do it properly. And he was such an inspirational character. Um, I don't know whether you know too much about him. So his his father was Sir Thomas Sopwith, who designed and built the Sopwith Camel aeroplane from the First World War. So, you know, this uh, Tommy Sock was really an engineer that had a passion for cars and anything that went fast. At the age of 86, he had a CLS 63 AMG Mercedes that had three speed detection devices on it. It was uh, incredible. At 86, Sam, the guy guy, guy was incredible. And uh, uh, sadly, he he passed away. Um, uh, The business had been owned by Endeavour, people that are uh, Endeavour Holdings, people that are. You know, been around in Brighton for a long time. We'll remember Endeavour Ford. That was also one part of his part of his um, businesses at one stage. Yeah. But Endeavour had become a property portfolio, a property company, really. Oh. And um, uh, the, the only motor trade business was Riverbar. 
uh, and when Tommy Sockett, who loved that business, that was his baby, was Rivervale. Mm. When he passed away, it went to a, uh, a panel of trustees. And then after a while, it was like, well, this doesn't really fit in our portfolio. And we, we understood that, understood why. Mm. And then it was spoken about, Neil had had conversations, it was spoken about, well, would Rivervale be sold? And there was a few interested parties. Um, the, thankfully, it, it, never, it never happened, but one of the guys on the board of trustees piped up and said, well, why don't we offer it to the management team? They know how to run Rivervale, they've been running Rivervale, let's see if we can put it together. So this uh, was going on for <coughs> some time. Neil and I managed to get it over the line, or pre predominantly Neil, mm. uh, over the line with him, myself, Simon, Fuller, Duncan Stocks, took on uh, the business by doing a management buyout uh, in wow. April 29 last year. Uh, near enough the next day, the world's gone into a financial crisis. <laughs> and you're thinking, what timing? Yeah. Every, everything is in the timing. But, you know, we've continued we're still progressing we're still developing but what go just touch on that just jump in there what what, what what does go through your mindset then at that point when you have just achieved that you got to this point you got like management by we're, we're we're gonna own this amazing company that we built over the these years and then that does kick in and you look at the phone you know, what, where, where's your mindset at, at that point uh I could still hear Dad going, don't take anything for granted. Yeah. I could still hear Dad in the, in the background with it. Um, it it's an amazing honour to be the CEO of a company like Rivervale. People yeah. who live in around Brighton know Rivervale. Probably, you know, we have this whole thing that eight out of ten cats think Rivervale's still the Mercedes dealer, which is incredible how strong <laughs> Rivervale and the brand actually uh, actually has been over the years. Yeah. You know, we're trying to say this is the new Rivervale now with doesn't mean that we can't still supply you whatever you want to supply us it's just mm. different ways of doing things yeah. but it, the more modern way the more modern way really mm. um all of a sudden you've got the salary bill to take on as i said it's a big seven seven figure number each month mm. to find but from for me sam i've always got confidence in the brand and the people within the business mm. you, you know i think that's a, a you know refer to it talking about alex ferguson you know uh he he would say that people he, he, part of his role was to let people know that the impossible was possible anything can be achieved um, I, I get ridiculed a little bit internally for always wearing rose tinted glasses um, uh, but, but I, think, I think you have to so I've got yeah. confidence in that six legs of that business stall these days that I know the people heading those departments up and the people working in that department go to work each day to give it their all and add some value, because if people add value, they go home happier, don't they? Yeah. yeah. You know, so it, it's a, it was a little bit nervy, but what do you do in that situation? Do you go, Phew, I don't think I'm up for this, yeah. when, you've built, when you've built it to the level that you have? Yeah. Um, <coughs> so, you know, but, but you look at what we've had to deal with. <coughs> Sorry. So you've had Brexit. Uh, you've then had COVID. You've then had the, U the war in... In, your, in Europe, Ukraine. You've then, in our industry, we've had these semiconductor shortages, which has meant there's been a, a, long, a, big, a big supply issues. And then we get a cost of living crisis. You put that all in a snow globe, it can't get a lot worse, can it, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. um, right. And I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure that the other ones have had the effect and we're still now finding our feet out of Brexit. I'm not, mm. I'm, I'm not even sure what, what is happening with what, but if you're 
I've got belief that if you're an agile business and you've got good people within the business, mm. you can tweak and change and you can, you know, you don't want to cut your cloth accordingly. You don't want to lose people, mm. you, you, you know, but if that, if that happens, you have to work with it. It's a part of running, running a business. Yeah. I've got to say it, it hardly ever happens. You know, and I think we're running as a business now in the in the mid sixties with people, not age, oh. yeah. not age numbers, <laughs> um, and uh, you, you, you know we employ people from youngsters right the way up to one guy who's seventy seven, uh, mm-hmm. y- you know, and, and still doing and still doing what what he does. Yeah. But you, uh, uh, me, like the other shareholders, feel really privileged that we've got we're given the opportunity mm-hmm. with. Rivervale. That was a business that I went for an interview with to get given a job to do 40 cars a year, you know, and wow. and I, I, I love what it does and I love what it delivers and I love seeing the Trustpilot reviews and I love seeing that people um, internally get get what they want out of life and, yeah. and show some progression. Yeah. You know, we've got to be able to show people progression, you know, so we keep, I, I'm, I'm always looking at how I can change it and where I can move it and keeping people fresh in the business and playing to their strengths. Love that. And, I th- and it's so interesting. Like, like, like you said, there's that, I think any business owner, whatever point that is, that you, running a business, especially nowadays, you get to this point and like all them things you just alluded to, all them, them elements that go, Brexit, cost of living crisis, COVID, all of them things, they're all challenges that we face and every business has to some flourish through covid more struggled than than probably flourish but some some flourish but actually i remember having ryan hill on here and he was like you get to a point as a business owner or a ceo or whatever that level that you're at that you know what's the choice here do, do we pack up and go home yeah exactly and actually if that's right that's that's off the table that's not an option no so let's just like you said, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, being creative and innovative, looking at ways of actually how do we, how do we progress and get through it? Because packing up and going home ain't an option. No. So let's just work the best, best solution. And like, like you said, what you've over the longevity of that, that that process of every different part that you've been at in on that journey, and creating the culture and getting it to where you have now, and believing in the people. Like you mentioned earlier about rose tinted glasses a bit. We're similar. I'm always an optimist, so you always yeah. look at things and go, "Actually, I believe that that's going to be it's going to be okay. Whatever yeah. happens, it's going to be okay. Let's work out the best way to make it okay." And you, yeah. you believe in that. And like you said, if you believe in you, you believe in the process, and you believe in the team that you've built around you. Yeah, you're going to get through it, whatever that whatever that looks like. Yeah, there's there's always challenges, isn't there? Yeah. You know, there'll be yeah, another challenge. There'll be another challenge, you, you know. Same, you, you know, it's the same challenge a different day or a different yeah. challenge. You yeah. know, it, it, it's going to be there that you've got to overcome it, but uh, and you can't do it on your own. Yeah. Um, and as long as you can give people, you know, a bit of support, encouragement. You know, if if I'm if I'm leading the team and I and I'm up on the roof, you know, that, what, what how would that inspire the rest of the team? Yeah. So you, you've got to. So I dig deep, look at it. it, it um, my feeling is that every time there's an issue, there's normally a, um, uh, some another opportunity pops up as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's just the way I am, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Nice, no, brilliant. Well, look, I want to just talking to that. But obviously, I guess where you are, when I listen to people's stories, I always look at you know where, where you've been and where you are now, and what obviously then what what's still to come. But what, 
it, um, with all that sort of in mind, looking back over the journey and where you are now and, and the future, what, what, how do you define success? What's success to you? Uh, and uh, how would you define that? Well, how do I... F- um, it's a tough question, really, because, again, you don't, you don't take in any, anything for granted, really. Um, what is success? Well, I want the business to continue. Of course I do. I want the business to grow and flourish. Um, I want to serve the business more in the, in the community. I think that's really, really important. Mm. Um, the people within the business. If those, if those people, you know, we have a very low s- staff turnover rate. If those people keep coming back each day and giving their all, that's one way of defining success. Um, we're looking, you know, at different type of acquisitions to make the business model even stronger. If we get those over the line this year from a commercial sense, that will be uh, that'll be a big success because it just bolsters the current business even more for the not only f- for us as the shareholders but for the the people in it. In you know, and, and Rivervale has been around. 40 years or whatever it is I'd love to see it around another 40 I don't think I'll necessarily be around (laughs) when it it happens Sam but you know we take it in bite sized chunks Mm. and if the River Valley is still there in another 10 years then we've been successful it's not an easy time Mm. and the industry is challenging but I think I've got the team of people and the business strategy to be there in another 10 years that'll be success and 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 like you say, you, you look you look back over the journey, and and I'm, I'm keen always. Cause I, 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 it's difficult for, for me like that definition around success. What it looks like is people go from a financial point of view. Sometimes they measure that. Listening to you talk about that, always keep relating back to the people. I've got the good people around me. Yeah. And the people that come into work every day are happy. Yeah. I'm growing the business, and we're going along. I'm happy. And that's where that, that's that success is not then going to be a hundred million pound business maybe one day who knows but not measured on that the, the the measure of success I guess for me not always to be defined by a, a financial not a monetary or, value yeah 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 I think that's something because there's that there is an element especially within a bit the business community that someone's success is de- defined like as an individual as a, as a company can be defined and measured in that metric and I and I, I, lo- I love to challenge that because I do think fulfilment contentment success actually come from so many other elements you you mentioned there about doing more work in the community and that will that will work towards the level of success that you you would yeah. have achieved at, at Rivervale I think that's yeah. uh, yeah, there, there are more ways of measuring success than just financial. Yeah. You know, you, you, uh, you know, as we said, I consider myself really privileged. I'm a council house kid from West London that was told nobody would employ him. So where, where my journey goes from here, Sam, who, who, who only knows? Yeah, yeah. But I just know if I keep doing what I've done and I keep sticking by the rules of you don't take anything for granted you treat people how you like to be treated you've got to have that entrepreneurial bit about you you know and we had a a little bit online you know uh when we there was a bit that your post you put out about people and and meditating i've not gone if very difficult in words sometimes to get it across if people find that and it works for them Mm. (coughs) absolutely absolutely great but for me a lot of my best ideas 
have come through me having downtime away from the business. Yeah. I'm still thinking of work because I have that passion for it, and that's what drives me on. But I'm not at work. And the the the, the um, if you're in the heat of battle at work each day, mm. when do, when does your brain get a chance to come up with a fresh idea? When mm. does your brain actually take a step back and go outside and look back in at it? Mm. and go what about doing that or adding that or changing that so my downtime tends to be you know I can remember my sat, sat there one day looking out in the garden through uh, French doors and my other half saying to me you're, you're not actually here today are you and this was like on a Saturday afternoon or whatever <laughs> and it was what I can actually remember that was when I started thinking I need to add this mini bus division so Saturday afternoon mm. this has been playing on my mind and I'll I'll put it together and start working a plan out of what I've, what I've got to do to do that. In the heat of battle, I might not have ever got that chance to do yeah. that. So I, I don't really say I, I switch off. I love my football. I love a bit of motor racing. I enjoy yeah. walking with a dog and, and, and the family and the other half and all those good things that come with it. Yeah. You know, I've got daughters that work in the business. I love that. Yeah. Um, I've got other, other shareholders and directors have got their... their um, their children in the business again love that yeah. um, but do, do, do you like where I end up because I'm interested in just with that like that because well, again the work life balance thing so one of the reasons I started with the meditation because I, f- I find it really hard to switch I do love the things I'm involved I love running the businesses I do um, but trying to be present in those mo- like you, you mentioned there about your wife again you're not really here today that being sat present in that moment at that time, I, I'm conscious of that. Are you able to? Is your mind maybe always on work because of, because you love the business? You can tell listening to you talk. You can tell the passion that you've got for it. You can tell that you love that business. You can tell that uh, you know love the people that what you've created there and what you've managed to achieve with all, all them things. So that's a passion, and it doesn't feel like work because you love it. Yeah. So, yeah. but is there, th- 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 are you able to actually, I can switch off a little bit, are, are, are you always constantly thinking around work or? No, you know, it's, um, <coughs> you know, if you've got friends that you go out for a meal, mm. you, you know, we go out with friends, one of those guys is quite senior at Direct Line Group, the first thing you will ask you is, how's work? You, you know, straight away you go out to try and switch off an evening to, to have a curry. You're talking about work before you've even got anywhere, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. F- I do. Um, I, I do switch off. Yeah. But I wouldn't say there's a hard and fast rule to switching off. Yeah. You know, I love going to the cinema. If you go and see a film in the cinema, recently did the Avatar film. You're in there for three hours or whatever it was. Yeah. Whilst you're watching that, you're not thinking about work. Yeah. You know, I used to play a lot of squash and. Uh, five uh, a side football with dodge etc when you're in a squash court you don't think about work yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know or playing football again trying to keep up with dodge which is always very difficult but yeah. you don't think you don't think about work just crunch him just <laughs> if I could catch him yeah, I would have done yeah, yeah, but, um, <laughs> but y- y- you know I also don't think that people should beat themselves up because I think out of those things sometimes it goes bing and it's a light bulb moment and yeah. y- you know so it doesn't Whatever works for that individual, isn't it? There isn't a hard and fast rule, is there? You're you're so spot on, and actually, the main thing taking from that is the actually not beating yourself up about it. I I, I do. I think that's my one of my issues, and the reason I I do delve into it, and the reason I'm trying meditation and other bits, not 
not really working. So I find it really difficult. I find I it difficult that. to sit there, and I, I, I'm, I'm doing this process at the moment. I'm a believer in if you're going to start something, you carry on and give it a go. Yeah. If I'm going to do it properly, I'll give it a go. So I'm doing this process, and nearly 30 days in, and but I am sitting there and thinking, oh, mum, as soon as I sit there, close my eyes and trying to do the breathe, my mind's just wandering, and I think a uh, whole meditation thing is trying to say that's okay to do that, but like. One of the big things I'm, I'm going, oh, I need to work on my work life balance. I've not got that right, and I've not, but actually, I do love the things I do. I love the business. So it's actually not beating myself up, going, oh, I love that maybe on a Sunday night sometimes, or early on a Monday morning when I'm up really early doing some bits for the podcast and getting it ready yeah. to go out Monday. I love it because I'm yeah. excited about it. So, not to, to beat the work life balance isn't just. That's your work there. You, it's not like it used to be nine to five. No, it's your work, and then that's your no. y- your life and 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 your home stuff. And it's different. That that has an impact on that. So actually, that's your. I think Rob Starr said it really well. He said like lot. That's life, and work's involved in that, and your own time and your yeah. fitness or whatever that looks like, and your your time, family time, and they're all part of this bubble. And that's what makes it is. Doesn't mean that that's got to be there. That's got to be there. And that's got to be there. Yeah, you know, in that we've we got people in the business, but they also don't they also don't switch off. Mm. You know, you'll get emails at eight nine o'clock at night, and mm. they don't just send it to you to say, "Look, I was doing an email at eight nine o'clock at night." No. There's a reason why they do it, you, you know, and and they're they're very they're very driven people. Yeah. You know, we try to make sure that people take. I'm the worst for it, but we try to make sure people take their holiday allocation mm. and. You know, to, to try and get away, but even when they do, if something happens, they'll email you when they're away on holiday. Yeah. You know, and what do you do? Say to people, that's that's wrong. You, you know, if they're that passionate about it, that's yeah. that's that person. That's the yeah. makeup of that person. Yeah. You know, if you can find your downtime, whether it's reading a book or watching grand design or whatever it might yeah. be, that what what inspires people, yeah. you, uh, you know, or helps people. You know, and another time for me is I I, I deliberately cut the grass. Yeah. Uh, and I get a lot of pleasure out of cutting the grass. It's not like the, the, the Amex or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. But I put my earphones in, and um, uh, Dad was also Dad has an influence in this. Dad was also quite a, a heavy rocker when he was a, a, a young fellow. And I said, you know, he, he was 19 when I, I was I was born. So I grew up listening to Led Zeppelin and people like that. So I'll put my earphones in. I'll put Led Zeppelin's greatest hits in as I cut the grass. Now, if you turn it on loud enough, you don't think about work while <laughs> you're trying to keep those straight lines and that and that Led Zeppelin uh, pumping pumping yeah, through. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. But you know, the, the, there's, there's there's times, and yeah. I just I just don't want people to think that there's a, a it has to be. Yeah. You know, we're all different people, and we all re-energize and work, and um, and are passionate about w- what what we do. The amount of business people I know are so passionate about what they do. Yeah. They don't switch off. They're yeah. at breakfast meetings or do's at the ground in the evening on the same day, aren't they? Some yeah. of these people, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they love it. So yeah. you know why? Why shouldn't they? If that's what they enjoy, uh, you know what I think. That's that's the big takeaway for me, and it's definitely it's just, it's got to be each individual, whatever whatever works for you. There is a yeah. lot, there is no, and we, we can look at you know well being and stuff like that is such a big thing. Especially you have got that amount of staff, you've got to yeah. look after the well being of staff and that be mindful, I guess, around them. Hundred percent, um, and that they're really important. But realizing that actually we are all individuals, and some will need a little bit more downtime some will can be on it more yeah. than more than others you can't you can't in the modern world you can't disregard mental health yeah. you know I come from a generation where it was 
get yourself up, brush yourself off, and get get back on with it again. Yeah, yeah. Did I have any anxieties? I I probably did go to school at one point or another because mm. I'm going to get slaughtered to say I'm not going to get a job again or whatever it, <laughs> whatever it might might have been. And you dust yourself off and you and you get on with it. But that doesn't mean that you don't take into account. You know, it's a different world these days, and people mm. have got different pressures and social media and everything else that goes along yeah. in it. But you've got to uh, learn and adapt and and grow as individuals to help those people get through whatever challenges they got. Yeah. And again, as a business, I think we really handle that, yeah. really handle that well with people w within the business. Yeah. You, can't, you can't ignore it, ignore yeah. it at your peril. Yeah. Mate, listen, it's been so fascinating, Change. We're, we're sort of coming towards the end. So t t tell me just what, what, what does the future hold for you then? What's the future for, for Vince Pendleton? Um, well, we're going to continue to develop and, and make Rivervale a stronger business. That, that's, that's for sure. Um, you know, look at different angles. As I said, we're touching on some different ac acquisitions. Yeah. Uh, I get a lot of joy. I'll get a lot of joy out of that when it goes over the, the line, Sam. Yeah. Where I'm going to be in another five years, ten years, who knows? All I do know, though, is that I'm going to make the most out of every day in that journey whether that is at home or driving the business on at work or supporting people you know m the door is always open yeah. so where I'll be I can't I can't tell you I'd love to still be the CEO of Rivervale Cars Limited because it's just such an honour and a privilege to be there and I don't doubt that, that I won't be but um, I, I can't I, you know it's a tough question yeah mate it's, but I, I'm, I think I'll take from that actually the key there is that and I use that cliche a lot and I'll chuck it in there but that, that actually enjoying each day on that journey enjoying that like listening to you talk actually and through the challenges over the time but you do, you do, I do get the real sense that you have enjoyed that whole of the journey because like, it's obviously a passion for you motorcars the industry as a whole listening to you talk about it looking at your posts that you put out on social media whether it be about Capri or whatever that whatever it is or about Rivervale and, and you can tell there's that passion and that, that is where true fulfilment and contentment comes from I guess yeah yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't say I, I like nice things in life, but I wouldn't say I'm a materialistic person. Mm. I've always be, my benchmark has been as long as I can provide for my family. Mm. Then that gives you a certain level of fulfilment, you know. Anyway, doesn't it? You yeah, know, I've got a, I've got lovely, lovely um, family around me, very supportive around me. Mm. Um, so you, you get you get the fulfilment, but I have enjoyed the journey, uh, and I just want to make. Tommy Sopwith as an individual if he's looking down on us very proud of where we've gone to a lot of changes yeah. but w you know we're, we're on this journey that he still looks down and goes yeah, yeah it's been in you know the guys have done good oh, mate. and I'm sure he is I'm sure he is so look we're going to finish always at, with our can I, our can I though because something's really bothering me go for it when Gavin Peacock's dad and I said Roy Peacock can I quickly look so I'll make sure I'll, I'll be insulting him I, uh, mate, let me just look mate you, you get, let me you just get look, on there you get on Sam, there because I, I, before I've, we do our quick fire questions yeah, let's I've find got, out I've got, I've, I've got to cover it off because it's going to um, it's going to Keith Peacock Keith, Keith Peacock. Peacock now he's a legend yeah Keith Peacock was the first ever football substitute that was allowed for tactical reasons and not injuries so <laughs> in the 19 whenever it was 70s or whatever he was playing for Charlton Athletic yeah. they had the 11 players and they had one substitute the 12th man yeah. 
and that 12th man was only ever used at that stage if there was injuries and bits but it was the first time a tactical substitute was a, allowed during the game and he was the first one wow so wow. He's, a, he's, a, he's a legend so um, I'm really annoyed with myself that I didn't get it <laughs> he, he got straight away Mate, we've got it in though. We've, we've got, got it in. in. Don't we've worry, we've got it in. Well, look, let's finish. Quick fire question. So, I chuck these at you. One, one piece of advice do you give to your teenage self? Um, open the blinkers up a little bit. Uh, if you get criticism or you feel like life's against you, open them up and have a look at what opportunities there are actually out there. Don't run before you can walk. You know, be, be that program that can now be loaded you know and go and go for it you know don't don't be down don't beat yourself up there will be an opportunity make the most of it brilliant Brilliant. you've mentioned quite a few people but who who, if you name one who's inspired you in your career and why i couldn't when when you said about this i couldn't i couldn't name one because they're at they're at they're at various stages in life so you've got your dad john jeffrey what character uh tommy sopwith Unbelievable character, yeah. and then you and then you're looking at working closely with uh, Neil Chapman over the last period with dealing with the MBO and bits, and yeah. you know the way that, as I said, this fellow's coming up 68 and the effort he puts in. Mm. You know, they're really important people that have made a massive part of my change, uh, had a big impact impact in my career and life. That's for sure. Amazing. Can you recommend book or podcast that, to the listeners that's had an impact on you? Well, outside yours, outside yours, <laughs> get that. Get <laughs> Thank that you, mate. Um, two books: the uh, Alan Sugar autobiography. You got to read that if you're yeah. if you're in business or you, or you lead people. You got to look. You got to read that, especially the bit about his marketing. And also Alex Ferguson's leader. You know, yeah. as we've we've mentioned before when we've chatted about it, the, yeah. the synergy between football, um, sport, and business. Not just football and business, yeah. but you know, it, it, as, as I've touched on, you know, David Beckham was. A right winger, he'd have been no good as a, a left fullback, but Alex Ferguson knew his strengths and knew where to play him. Yeah. And if you've got people in your business, you'll know their strengths and you'll know where to play them. Yeah. And they're part of it comes together as part of a team, and that's a successful formula. So anyone that hasn't read it, it's in business with a team of people, recommend they read it. Brilliant, brilliant. What what, what is your run, one nut rule for living a fulfilled life? Never take anything for granted. Never take it for granted, Brilliant. mate. Listen, I'm so grateful for you coming on and, and, and giving up your time and coming and having a chat with me. Cause I knew, I, like I said, every time we have, we have a beer and we have a chat, I go, mate, you've got to get you on. And and we finally got here, and I'm I'm so grateful for that. And it's been a brilliant episode and fascinating conversation. So I'm so so grateful. And I, look, it, what a brilliant journey to have seen the whole River Bell develop and where you are where you've been and where you are now and I wish it continued growth and success yeah, it, it, it will continue to grow that's I'm for sure. sure we're not sitting back on our laurels you know thank you for asking me I was flattered to be asked when I looked at some of your other guests previously that you've had on there yeah. that some of those people that have had life life challenges and yeah. done what they've done so for you to ask me to come on and, and waffle about where I am with Rivervale and what we're all about totally privileged so thanks Sam for inviting Great. us it's been gold. Can't wait to share the episode. Thanks again, mate. And that, no as they say, is a wrap. This is the County Business Talks podcast, produced by H2 Productions.